The great sage Maitreya said, Rajapatyam of the great Prajapati to but Tatejaha is powerful semen. Paratejaha, others prowess, Manam, troubling, Dithi, Dithi, Kasyapa's wife, Nadara, Bor, Varshani, years, Shatam, hundred, Shankamanam, being doubtful, Surardhanat, disturbing to the demigods. Translations. Three Maitreya said, dear Vidura, My dear Vidura, Diti, the wife of the sage Kasyapa, could understand that the sons within her womb would be a cause of disturbance to the demigods. As such, she continuously bore the powerful semen of Kasyapa Muni, which was meant to give trouble to others for 100 years. Please repeat. Sri Maitreya said, My dear Vidura, Diti, the wife of the sage Kasyapa, could understand that the sons within her womb would be a cause of disturbance to the demigods. As such, she continuously bore the powerful semen of Kasyapa Muni, which was meant to give trouble to others for 100 years. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The great sage Sri Maitreya was explaining to Vidura the activities of the demigods, including Lord Brahma. When Diti heard from her husband that the son she bore within her abdomen would be causes of disturbance to the demigods, she was not very happy. There are two classes of men, devotees and non-devotees. Non-devotees are called demons, and devotees are called demigods. No sane man or woman can tolerate the non-devotees giving trouble to the devotees. Diti, therefore, was reluctant to give birth to her babies. She waited for 100 years so that at least she could save the demigods from the disturbance for that period. Maitreya Uvacha Prajapatyam Tutatejaha Sri Maitreya said, My dear Vidura, Diti, the wife of the sage Kasyapa, could understand that the sons within her womb would be a cause of disturbance to the demigods. As such, she continuously bore the powerful semen of Kasyapa Muni, which was meant to give trouble to others for 100 years. Mukum Koroti Bachalam Pangamagayati Gidim Jatkripa Tamaham Bande Siguru Dinatarium. First of all, any prospective mothers out there, do not try this at home. <laughs> Keeping the 
children within the womb for 100 years for the demigods. Not recommended. However, Aditi could do this, just like we know that Shukadeva Goswami was in the womb of his, of his mother, uh, the wife of Vyasadeva, I forget her name, someone knows? And um, so he did not want to come out of the womb, so he stayed there according to different accounts, 12 years, 13 years, or 16 years. So he didn't want to come out because he didn't want to become entangled in Maya. Uh, so he didn't want to take part in the world. Um, but he finally agreed to come out when Krishna himself personally came and assured him that he would not fall into Maya. When he got that assurance from Lord Krishna, who was on the planet at the time, then he was like, okay, now I will come out. And then as soon as he came out, what did he do? He boogied. <laughs> I'm out of here. This household life is not for me. It's described that Vyasadeva wanted him to come back. Oh, my son, please come back. He was calling. Please come, please come. But the only sound was the echo of his voice from the trees, as described in the first canto of the Bhagavatam. Come back, come back, come back. But <clears throat> uh, Shukadeva Goswami did not heed his call, and he began to wander as a uh, avadut, uh, sadhu in the world. And then when there was the assembly, uh, of great sages coming together at the time of uh, um, King Parikshit's uh, sitting down on the bank of the Ganga to fast until death, then Shukadeva Goswami appeared on the spot and he was given the seat of honor, the Vyasasana, uh, in order to speak Krishna Kata for seven days and seven nights continuously. That is Srimad Bhagavatam, spoken by Shukadeva. So, again, not to be imitated. Sometimes in India, they have this Bhagavat Saptaha. They'll speak Bhagavatam for seven days straight, but not day and night. And they also don't fast the whole time. But they do it as a professional business. Mostly they just recite um, Rasa Lila from the 10th canto. So that probably says that's nonsense, Bhagavat Saptaha. But we do Bhagavat Kata every day, except on Mondays, which is Yard Day. And we'll be having an unsupervised Yard Day coming up on Monday. So everyone try to remember that and participate as if our temple president were personally present. <clears throat> Her representative will be there to encourage everyone to engage in our day. <laughs> so, um, DT, she decided to keep the children in her womb, who were Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, great demons, unprecedentedly powerful demons, um, who had, during their time, uh, greatly powerful effects on everyone in the universe. Uh, 
negative effects, demoniac effects. So even though actually they are Jai and Vijay, the gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, um, we heard yesterday that they weren't pure devotees. I don't know where that came from. I never heard that before. I thought the Kumaras weren't pure devotees. That's why they cursed them. They cursed them because they thought that children should not be admitted to Vaikuntha because the Kumars appear in the form of naked five-year-old boys. Kumar means five-year-old boy. So uh, anyway, Jain Vijay, they're servants of God and Vaikuntha. I think they're in a pretty good situation. But somehow or other, it was the arrangement of the Lord that um, they um, told the Kumars not to enter and then they were cursed. But that was the arrangement of the Lord to have pastimes of fighting them and killing them. Because sometimes the Lord likes to get into a big fight and kill some bad people. So he did that with both Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu. Uh, pretty big fights, both of them. Cosmic scale fights. So um, it is the arrangement of the Lord that these two uh, were cursed by the four Kumaras and um, therefore the Lord got the chance to fight them. And because they were cursed, they said that, the Kumara said that you are just like ignorant fools preventing us from coming into the gates of Vaikuntha. Therefore, you have to go down to the material world and take birth there. So um, they were given a choice, actually, after the curse. Well, you can take seven births as devotees, as nice devotees, or you can take three births as bad demons. And they said, we'll take the three births, we'll take the demon births, because that way we'll come back home, back to the spiritual world quicker. So we don't want to be gone that long. If we have to go, okay, let's just keep it at a minimum, three births. So Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, Ravana and Kumbhakarna, and um, Shishupal and Dantavakra were the three sets of births. And in each of those births, they were killed by the Lord. Lord Nasingha killed Hiranyakashipu. Lord Varaha killed Hiranyaksha. Uh, Lord Ramachandra killed uh, Ravana and Kumbhakarna, along with his brother Lakshmana. And then Krishna killed Shishupal and Dantavakra. And then again, during the pastimes of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there was the two sinful brothers, Jagai and Madhai, who were greatly disturbing the society of the Navadvip area at the time. And instead of killing them, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was prepared to kill them because they had injured Lord Nityananda Prabhu and caused blood to flow from his forehead by throwing an earthen pot at him. Um, he was prepared to kill them when he heard what was happening, he appeared on the spot, wielding his Shurvashan Chakra. In the Indian movies, it goes, but uh, it's rotating very fast, and it's razor sharp. Um, and he was prepared to kill them, but Lord Nityananda implored him that, my Lord, although it's all, all right, you're killing the demons, in this incarnation, you have come to deliver the demons. And although these two are demons, 
They have prayed for your mercy. They became repentant and they fell down at the feet of Lord Nityananda. So if you kill them, then you have to kill everybody in Kali Yuga. They may be the worst, but in one way or another, everyone in Kali Yuga is a bunch of no good for nothing rascals. So if you kill these two sinners, then you have to kill everyone. So that's not your mission in this incarnation. You've not come to kill the demons. You've come to save the demons. Prabhupada said, I have come to shave you. Because with his Bengali accent, he said, shave, with the S-H sound. And the devotee said to Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you came to save us or to shave us? And Prabhupada said, yes. <laughs> so he came to save us and he came to shave us. And he was successful <laughs> on both counts. <laughs> so we always have to be saved and we always have to be shaved by Srila Prabhupada. So here is a description in this purport. Prabhupada says, there are two classes of men, devotees and non-devotees. Those are the two basic classes of human beings that we see. That is confirmed in the Padma Purana, Dwal Bhuta Sarvalokeshmin, Daiva Sura Evacha, Daiva Asura Evacha, Vishnu Bhaktas Mito Daiva, Asuras Tadvaparyaya. So those two classes, Daiva, the devotees or demigods, and the Asuras or the demons. So the devotees, Vishnu Bhakta, Smito Daiva, they're devotees of God. Asuras Tadvaparyaya. The asuras uh, reject any worship of the Lord. So we can see clearly um, in modern society how this is happening also. There are those who reject God. They forget him. Not only they forget him, they curse him. And they say in modern language, God is dead. There is no God. That is primitive people uh, who have no self-assurance and no confidence in their own education. They think there is God. And Prabhupada says the primitive man has some sense of God because when he sees the great lightning in the sky and hears the thunder, he's like, oh, it's the God. And he sees the big mountain, oh, it is God. The sun is rising, the moon is coming at night, it is God. So. He may not be very sophisticated in terms of Vedic understanding, but he has some sense that he's very small and there's something, someone greater than him. But modern man is very educated, sophisticated, very polished and suave, very well-spoken, very well-read. And he has concocted various philosophies to claim that this God is only for primitive foolish people, and there is no God. There is nothing after death. And that philosophy, we've mentioned this before, I think last week, that's the beer commercial philosophy. That's right, from our childhood, the beer commercial 
You only go around once in life, so you gotta grab for all the gusto you can. Uh, <clears throat> but um, we understand that that is not really philosophy. That's fool-osophy. Because the fool has no idea of the reality. The fool thinks, I am this body. This is the, this is the quintessential demoniac mentality, which I would like to now turn to the 16th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And delve a little bit into this interesting dichotomy where Krishna paints this picture of the divine and the demoniac. Chapter 16, uh, verse number 3, uh, Krishna says, well actually 1, 2, and 3, that the Blessed Lord said, Fearlessness, purification of one's existence, cultivation of spiritual knowledge, charity, self-control, performance of sacrifice, study of the Vedas, austerity and simplicity, nonviolence, truthfulness, freedom from anger, renunciation, tranquility, aversion to fault-finding, compassion and freedom from covetousness, gentleness, modesty, and steady determination, vigor, forgiveness, fortitude, cleanliness, freedom from envy and the passion for honor. These transcendental qualities, O son of Bharata, belong to godly men endowed with divine nature. That's a very impressive list of qualities that we should aspire for and develop, learn to develop. So um, that is the devotee or the daiva. On the other hand, in sharp distinction, contradistinction, is the demoniac person. Uh, and here Krishna describes him. Pravratim cha nivratim cha jana navidurasura nashocham cha charo nasatyam tesu vidyate. Those who are demoniac do not know what is to be done and what is not to be done. Neither cleanliness, nor proper behavior, nor truth is found in them. This is a very nice description, a very exacting description. Neither cleanliness, nor proper behavior, nor truth is found in them. So there are some people who are decidedly demoniac, and there are some people who are fully committed to being devotees of Krishna. But in the middle also there is this vast chasm of innocent people who are misled by the demoniac leaders. Because the demonic culture is so prevalent in the world, then people are following that because they don't know anything else. But through education, um, they can also be given the chance to become devotees. That is the job of the Krishna consciousness movement to educate ourselves and to educate others on what it means to be a devotee, to develop these godly qualities here, spiritual knowledge, purification, charity, self-control, performance of sacrifice, austerity, simplicity, nonviolence, truthfulness, 
freedom from anger, renunciation, tranquility, aversion to fault-finding, compassion and freedom from covetousness, gentleness, modesty, and steady determination, vigor, forgiveness, fortitude, cleanliness, freedom from envy and the passion for honor. Those who are not Krishna conscious are always have this passion to be honored by others. They always want to be in a prominent position and accept honor from others. That's manifest in like how many followers you have on Twitter or Facebook. If you have followers, then you, that's the passion for honor. One wants to be honored, one wants the glory. One devotee from Bengal, from Mayapur, who was a super talented musician from a musical family, great singer and Murdunga player, and also a great teacher and educator. Um, he told me one time, he looked at my face, he says, you want the glory. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that we should become free from that passion for honor to be honored by others. He, but he looked at me and he said, oh, you want to get the glory. <laughs> it was wonderful. <clears throat> the name was Murari Haridas. So um, there's more about the demons. Would you like to hear Yes. More of these descriptions. Yes. Okay. Asatyama pratishtam te jagadarhura nishwaram aparasparasam bhutam kemanyat kamahitukam. They say that this world is unreal, that there is no foundation, that there is no God in control. It is produced of sex desire and has no cause other than lust. And then the next verse, chapter 9, uh, text 9. Etam drishtem avastabya nastatmano papudhuyaha ravantya ubra karmanaha kshayaya jogato hitaha. Following such conclusions, the demoniac who are lost to themselves and who have no intelligence engage in unbeneficial, horrible works meant to destroy the world. That's not cool. Uh, so that just sounds like what? Modern society, <laughs> the society that we live in, the culture that spread all over the world, as uh, as uh, Ike called it, the military-industrial complex. Ike was a great general in World War II, and then he became elected president in the 1950s, and he was cautioning people about the evils of the uh, types of governments and civilizations that are interested in military enterprise and industrial enterprise to control the societies. He called it the military-industrial complex. So he warned against the evils of that uh, being propagated by uh, men who are very ambitious for power and control and who make not very good decisions based on their own ideas of sense gratification and not for the welfare of the people. Contrast that to the Vedic culture where the kings were pledged to the good and the welfare of the citizens of their country. That was their goal of life, uh, is to protect and maintain the citizens and engage them in religious principles. That was the goal of the kings, the saintly kings, the Rajarishis. A rishi means a great sage, and Raja means a king, but then the Vedic kings are called Rajarshi, Rajarishi, 
They're kings, but they're, they're sadhus also. People like Maharaj Yudhisthir, Maharaj Prikshit, his grandson. They're actually interested only in the good of the people. They're pledged to serve the people, not simply to enjoy sense gratification at the expense of the people. And in the, in the Bhagavatam, it describes it in Kali Yuga, the leaders are just be like thieves and plunderers who take advantage of the people. The people will become so harassed by social conditions, by deteriorated social conditions, and by taxes, and unfair practices of the government, they'll go to the forest and leave their families, their occupations, their property, and go to the forest just to get away from the harassment. So these things are going on. And these are Krishna's very nice descriptions. There's a couple more verses. That in text 23, he who disregards scriptural injunctions and acts according to his own whims attains neither perfection nor happiness nor the supreme destination. So, this is a warning also for devotees to always uh, act according to the instructions of the spiritual master and the injunctions of the Shastra. And then you can attain perfection, happiness, and the supreme destination. But if you simply act according to your own concocted ideas, your own concocted ideas, then what is the result? Acting according to your own whims, you attain not perfection, nor happiness, nor the supreme destination. Now, devotees, we don't, do, we don't act according to our own whims in a gross way, necessarily, disregarding scriptural injunctions, scriptural injunctions. But sometimes we speculate and have our own ideas and try to follow those, um, thinking that we know better than the spiritual master and the Vedas. But actually, we know not better than the guru and the Vedas. Therefore, we have to follow very nicely. So this is a good lesson here from Krishna. We don't want to become like the demons and be lost, engage in horrible, horrible, unbeneficial works. Prabhupada says the demons are lost to themselves. That's what Krishna says. They're lost to themselves. So we don't want to follow in those footsteps. No, those are the wrong footsteps. We want to follow in the footsteps of the great devotees. Specifically, the Mahajanas. Shayam, Bhura, Narada, Shambhu, Kumara, Kapilo, Manu, Pralada, Janaka, Bhishma, Bala, Vayasa, That's a list of the 12 Mahajanas. Shayam, Bhura, Narada, Shambhu. Shayambhu means Brahma. Shayambhu, self born. Shayam means self. Bhu means born. He's born without mother or father. Shayambhu, Narada, Narada Muni, Shambhu, or Shiva. Kumara, the four Kumaras, Kapilomanu, Lord Kapila, and Manu. Pralada, uh, Janaka Bhishma, Pralada Maharaj, Maharaj Janaka, Bhishma, Maharaj Janaka was the uh, father of Sita Devi. Therefore, Sita is known as Janaki. Another name for Lord Ramachandra, Janaki Vallabha. 
he who gives pleasure to Sita. Pralada Janaka Bhishma, Grandfather Bhishma, who is the great, one of the greatest devotees of the Lord. Uh, Balir, Bali Maharaj, Balir, Vyasakir. Vyasaki means Shukadeva Goswami, uh, the son of Vyasadeva. And uh, Balir, Vyasakir, Vayam, and ourselves is Yamaraj who is speaking. So these are the 12 Mahajanas, and one should follow in their footsteps, act according to their instructions and the examples that they have given in their lives, and they are fully, perfectly Krishna-conscious people that we should follow, and not just concoct our own ideas. There's a difference between uh, innovating the preaching for the purpose of spreading Krishna consciousness and concocting something, one's own ideas, not following in the footsteps, especially we aspire to follow in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada in all matters, great and small. And that will always, that's the safe position. But to veer outside of those instructions is an unsafe position, and one has to suffer different types of reactions. So that is not the safe position. That is not the guaranteed way. We want the guaranteed method of Krishna Consciousness. So, um, we do have a tendency, when I say we, I mean we conditioned souls, we have the tendency to speculate and concoct. Uh, but Prabhupada said as far as the, uh, what we do and follow in the Krishna Conscious Movement, he said he has not presented anything from his own fertile imagination, but he has simply presented the conclusion of the Acharyas and the Shastra, the Vedas specifically, and therefore Mahajano Yenagatasapata, we have to follow in the footsteps. So sometimes there may be gray areas or there may be lines to cross and we don't know where the line is. Therefore, what is the solution to that to make sure everything remains on the proper course? It is called Guru Sadhu Shastra. That is the system of checks and balances. An analogy can be given to the United States government, which has a system of checks and balances. The executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch, and they all have certain powers. And the executive branch may become carried away and say, I can do whatever I want. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> we can do whatever I want, I'm the president. <laughs> but then, there's the legislative branch, which makes the rules, makes the laws, and the executive has to follow the laws made by the legislative branch. Then, if there's some question about what is right and what is wrong, then there's the judicial. And both the legislative branch and the executive branch can be corrected uh, or brought back to the center by the judicial branch. So that's an analogy, of course. It's an imperfect analogy, but since many of us here uh, know the American uh, governmental system, we know what this is all about, and we understand the analogy, because we were all taught that in school when we were little kids, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Remember all that? <laughs> uh, but even more so in the case of, of following properly the methods of Krishna consciousness as given by Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. 
And of course, the guru for everyone in the Krishna conscious movement is Srila Prabhupada, regardless of who else you may be initiated by. Um, Srila Prabhupada is the Param Guru or the Supreme Guru of the Krishna conscious movement. So we have his books, which he has called the Law Books for Human Society for the next 10,000 years. And after 10,000 years, no more Hari Hari Bobo. So it's just a limited, limited time, special offer for the next 10,000 years only in Kali Yuga. You too can go back to Godhead. Guaranteed. Act now. It's a limited time offer. It expires in 10,000 years. So <laughs> don't hesitate. And you don't know what's going to happen to you in your next life if you don't take the Krishna consciousness. I've told this story before. I told it again. I had one friend, Randy Keene, keyboard player and saxophone player, very talented young man. We played in a band together, and then I became a devotee. And he understood. He was a very intelligent boy. He understood a considerable amount of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. And he said, well, you go ahead and surrender. And um, when I'm an old man, you can come pull me out of my material life and make me take sannyas. So he was, he was counting on a post-dated check. Uh, about a year later, he died in a fire in his little farmhouse where we practiced, where the band practiced. And it was interesting how that happened. The place caught on fire, had a wood stove. And he got out, but the cat was in. He went back to rescue the cat and became overwhelmed by the smoke and lost his life. So I can't go back and get him now. I can't go rescue him, pull him out of Maya and force him to take sannyas. I can't do that. I can't fulfill that promise that he wanted me to do because there's no guarantee uh, death can come at any moment to anyone, anytime. Our good friend Kaliapani was just riding his motorcycle, which he always did, and he was just coming from downtown Alachua, coming back to the temple, and some numbskull in a tractor trailer pulled right out in front of him, and he couldn't stop in time. He ran into the truck, and of course, he's on a motorcycle, so there's not much protection there. He always wore his helmet. Um, in Florida, they don't have helmet law. You can it's optional, but he always wore his helmet. And uh, he lost his life like that. Of course, we take that not as just a tragic accident, which it was, but we also understand there's some special intervention of the hand of Krishna in such a, a thing, like him being taken suddenly like that. Krishna took him, okay, I want you to go here somewhere else. We got some more service for you over here. Um, just took him away, just like that. Within a second, within a second, it was about 65. His Prabhupada disciple joined in the mid-70s. He was a student at the Sorbonne in Paris, and he was frustrated with material life, although he was from a very uh, aristocratic family, had a very nice education. And he, both he and his brother both became devotees. And neither one of them are, not, are with us anymore, but he was a great Sankirtan devotee in Britain during the 70s. Uh, wonderful devotee. Loved to chant. Um, loved shlokas. I was actually, I was reading from the shloka book. I had this practice. I would chant 15 minutes of shlokas every day in the temple room, which agitated a few people. 
there in the temple, but mostly everyone appreciated it. And I wouldn't chant super loud, but I would chant the verses out loud. And um, the devotees would always come up to me. It was during Japa time. They would always have a chant every day at 6.30 to 6.45. And uh, devotees would always come up to me, what's that verse, what's this verse? We had uh, one of our famous shloka rajas, Pushkar Prabhu, would always come up and start quoting verses and ask me about this verse and tell me about that verse. And it was a very wonderful exchange. So one day I was chanting, Kali Pani came up to me, he goes, in his very cultured British accent, what is that nectar book you have there? <laughs> Call it nectar. What is that nectar book you have there? Let me see that book. Oh, I like this nectar book. There's so many nice verses. So he was, he was also a person who loved hearing from the Shastra, getting the nectar from the verses uh, of the Shastra. So I thought it was very sweet the way he said that. What is that nectar book you have? <clears throat> so um, death can come at any moment. Actually, I've lost several friends to motorcycles accidents. One of them was uh, right when I was first starting to read Prabhupada's books, there was a young man, David Odom, and he wrote a Kawasaki 500. And he was a really big guy and a really tough guy. But he also had a Volkswagen Beetle. And in the glove compartment, he had a copy of Easy Journey to Other Planets, which he worshipped that book and called it his Bible. And then one day he was riding his motorcycle down the street, and a car came and crossed the line and took him out. Sent him flying. He was wrapped around a telephone pole. He was 18 or 19 years old. Uh, and he would have become a devotee. He wanted to become a devotee. He considered Prabhupada's books his spiritual guiding light. And he was taken out on his motorcycle. So. And then I had some other friends who were crazy. And everybody knew they were going to die on their motorcycles. <laughs> when they were young because they were so wild. Uh, so death can come at any moment. And there's only 10,000 years in the Kali Yuga of the Krishna Conscious Movement, and then that's it, buddy. Then it's, the door is closed until Lord Kaki comes and wipes everybody out with a sword. But that's much, much later. That's at the end of the Yuga. That's 428,000 years from now. So we got 10,000 years, but if we blow it, um, we don't know when and where we might take birth again. So better to give every ounce of our energy to Krishna Consciousness. And then the rest, we just depend on Krishna. You know, it's not that I'm going back to Godhead. By my own strength, I'm going back to Godhead. No. But we have to be a willing participant in this process and then let Krishna take us. We have to depend on Krishna. Krishna says, in all circumstances, depend upon me. So we have to depend on Krishna. Um, there's another verse in the Padma Purana, and a really interesting verse about hearing Krishna Kata. Avaishnava makot girnam putam harikatam vitam travanam naiva kartavyam sharpo chishtam nitapaya. That hearing about Krishna should not be done. Avaishnava makot girnam. One should not hear from the lips 
of a non-devotee. Because sometimes the non-devotees, they want to talk about Krishna. Usually the Mayavadis, and they want to inject their own insipid and pernicious philosophy. Uh, but it is forbidden to hear any subject matter from these Mayavadis and non-devotees. We should not be quoting them or uh, using them to support our cause either. So that should be avoided. Because, why is that? Travanam naiva kartikam. You should never hear from such persons. Why sarpo chistam yathapayaha? Milk touched by the lips of a serpent has poisonous effects. So if you have a nice glass of milk, but the serpent, the poisonous serpent, has drunk from it first, touched by his lips, that means it becomes poisoned. And so it has a poisonous effect. So so-called Krishna kata spoken by those who are not devotees is actually poison. It's not nectar. It's poison, and it should be avoided. So we have to be very careful, because sometimes in our preaching we in, encounter all kinds of you know, mayavadis and non-devotees and funky weirdos, and you know they're coming here every day. <laughs> all you have to do is come sit down in the restaurant when you take lunch and overhear what's going on at the next table. <laughs> so many times I've heard this. For some reason, people become inspired to come here and spout their foolish philosophy. <laughs> but at least they're paying customers. We grant them that. And then hopefully by taking the shot, eventually they'll be purified. But I've heard some pretty ridiculous nonsense, totally bogus stuff floating around in the temple room and in the dining room from our uh, pseudo-spiritual customers. So one should not hear from them but rather they should be hearing from the devotees. So the principle is that we give our association to everyone. We give Krishna consciousness, but we don't take their association. We don't absorb or adopt their kata. Uh, so I heard one of our friends, I won't mention any names, but he does a lot of painting around here. And it was at the Sunday feast and he was spouting some complete nonsense. I forget what it was. It's some Catholic, the Pope was an incarnation of some demon or some such nonsense that was just total speculation. And he goes, no, it's true. I read it in this book. I can bring the book and show you. I said, throw that book in the garbage, you know, and, and you know, this is the temple. So what we speak in Krishna consciousness here, we speak from authoritative sources, Prabhupada's books. And we don't speculate and concoct and just bring in some funky book from some imaginative, fertile-brained non-devotee and quote that and explain that and use that to preach Krishna consciousness. No, that's nonsense. No, we use Prabhupada's books. We use the Acharyas, Guru Sadhu Shastra. That is our reference point. And we remain faithful and truthful uh, chased to that point of the Vedas and the Acharyas and the spiritual master. We don't deviate. We don't speculate. Do you know Sundari offered breakfast? Uh, yes, she did. She did. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So um, one has to be very sharp 
and very aware, not to be deviated. And, you know, Putana came to nurse Krishna, and she assumed this form. She was very beautiful, but she was not cool. She wanted to kill Krishna. So she came in the form of a beautiful woman, as if to offer service to Krishna. Of course, Krishna, he's the Supreme Personality of God. He accepted her service, and then he killed her. <laughs> but he gave her a good reward, a good destination, for offering motherly service to Krishna. So we should not mistake someone who comes here seemingly all nice and spiritual, uh, but spouting my body philosophy or something even worse than that, some atheistic philosophy. Like we had the incident of the guy at the Sunday feast, the uh, Wonder Woman guy, with the, where's the jewel on his head there? Wonder Woman! You know, just like Wonder Woman, where's that jewel on her head? But he wears the jewel on his head like he's trying to open up his third eye or something. So we were given a Sunday feast and then he wanted to bring in some Mayavadi philosophy. And after two words out of his mouth, he was revealed and I cut him off and explained to him uh, the true Vaishnav conclusion, that God is a person. And he was very upset. He was talking about it the whole night. Stayed till late, I finally had to roust him out of the patio and said, we're closed now. <laughs> so, uh, but he was true colors were revealed within two or three words out of his mouth. Advaita Vedanta, he said something like that. But no, we don't tolerate that nonsense. We don't even, we don't want to have the Sunday feast people who are mostly pious be exposed to hearing that nonsense and become bewildered. And there have been others who have come here and try to espouse their philosophy. Uh, but they are barking up the wrong tree. Like one time in Dallas, uh, in Dallas the whole block is all, all the houses are full of devotees. And someone knocked on my door, it was the Jehovah's Witnesses. And I said, uh, I think you came to the wrong block because um, there are cases where Jehovah's Witnesses have become Hare Krishna devotees. But we don't know of a case where some Hare Krishna devotee has fallen down to become a Jehovah's Witness. I've never heard of such a case. So uh, um, go over on the next block and you should be good. <laughs> but this block is, this is the Hare Krishna block. So, uh, you know, but then the devotee, the Jehovah's Witness came to Mother Sadamani's door and she was so merciful, she gave them prasadam. And then the son of one of the ladies is our Naraharidas. <laughs> he became Krishna conscious because of the mother getting prashada from Sandani. <laughs> so she was very merciful, more merciful than me, I said, in a way. But uh, she gave them prashada and treated them nicely. And then their lady's son, Narada's Narahari's mother, and then he became a devotee who was highly interested in deity worship and uh, kirtan and such things. Not the Narahari with the sailboat. No, our Narahari here. Oh. No, no, not that Narahari. Did he come with his mom? She brought him, yeah. Oh, when? Uh, not at that time. Not at that time. But later. Oh. Don't like that. I only have secondhand. I didn't hear the whole story, but okay. So any other questions, comments, corrections, realizations, affirmations, reflections? Hmm. 
All right, yes, that is dismissing us from our class. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Kijai.